0: Every Christmas I kind of want to be more open to to wonder and, and not to be not to find Christmas a cliche, but to be open to is there a new aspect of the mystery and wonder of Christmas that I can know?
1: Welcome to the Search Podcast, where we have conversations about the big questions of God and life. host Blaine Larson and it's Christmas time in Texas and all over the United States we are glad that you're listening to this special episode of the Search podcast uh, it's Christmas week and we're talking about this question how could Jesus be God and man and my guest is none other than Don Barkley from Search Orange County and so Don I ask you this question how could Jesus be God and man. I don't know. Well, this might be a very short podcast if that's uh that's I thought we were gonna have more. I've always expected a lot more from you. Um how how could Jesus be God and
0: man? I don't know, but this is why we believe he is. I mean you could ask me, how did I get here in the truck that I rented? Uh you know, and I I whatever goes on under the hood. I I kind of believe in it, but I don't don't ask me how it how it works.
1: Well, I'm I don't know how your truck works either. You got a little baby truck, you know, for Texas. it's a cute little baby for, truck for,
0: for me. It, or it's an Orange County <laughs> uh, major major rig compared to what most people have in Orange County, California. Yeah, it is not a Texas truck as I
1: see. Well, uh, we're kind of playing around here, having fun, but in in all seriousness, this mm-hmm. is a this is a great question because mm-hmm. Christmas is an important holiday that is celebrated in uh, the Christian tradition, but it's also uh, you know secular. Everybody uh, seems like uh, celebrates it whether they uh, believe uh, everything that we do or not, and so we thought we'd take this podcast and get to the heart of Christmas, which is. God becoming man, or maybe yep. more accurately, God adding humanity to His divinity in the person of of Jesus, and and why that matters, mm-hmm. how it kind of works, uh, if we can even know a little bit about that, and and so um, how do we begin thinking about this, Don? Where do we start?
0: Well, you know, we could obviously start in the obvious place, talk about the the Christmas story of somehow the baby being the object of worship but where i'd like to start is kind of in the middle of jesus ministry career which illustrates this really well it's not part of the christmas story but it illustrates this amazing and mysterious belief that christians have had through the centuries that god is both that jesus christ is both fully god and fully man and it's the story of the storm on the sea of galilee in Mark chapter 4 and it goes like this but when he was in the stern so this is when Jesus was in the stern stern and listen to this sleeping on a cushion they woke him up so now you, you don't think okay god god needs to nap every once in a while you just don't think that's just weird that's a strange idea now you read the Iliad Zeus actually takes naps but the god of the Bible doesn't take naps and so here's Jesus. And so if you needed a pr- just from this passage, who is Jesus? Well, he's obviously human. I mean, he's sleeping. He's taking a nap. He's tired. Sure. And he needs a cushion. So he's not <laughs> he's he's not like Superman or his head is is also comforted by a pillow like ours is. And they say, "Teacher, don't you care that we're about to die?" which is such an amazing irony. If they knew who he was, the Savior of the world, God so loves the world that he sent his only begotten son to die for us, that sort of idea. And they're saying to him, don't you care?
1: They're thinking it might be tonight. <laughs> might be, yes. <laughs> right.
0: In this boat. <laughs> right. So he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea. Now, that's strange. He rebuked the wind. Have you ever done that? Um, an inanimate object? I have many times out of just frustration, especially with coat hangers. I rebuke the <laughs> coat hanger. They're frustrating to <laughs> me, but anyway, and he said to the sea, "Be quiet, calm down." Then the wind stopped, and it was dead calm. And he said to them, "Why are you cowardly? Do you still not have faith?" They were overwhelmed by fear and said to one another, "Who then is this? Even the wind and sea obey him." And that's really our question: is it's is you encountered Jesus? If he were walked down the street. Uh, in Capernaum in the first century, we would just see a guy who might get we might guess is a is a, a tradesman, maybe even guess specifically that he's a carpenter. That's what he would look like. That's what he looks like. He looks like a human being. And then there are so many episodes where he does stuff that no human being can do, like control the weather. And it wakes people up to this possible reality that there's more that than than can be observed by, to the, by the naked eye.
1: And these miraculous workings of Jesus are actually some of the things that are recorded outside the Bible and other historians like Josephus. They mentioned that he was considered a miracle worker and right. so forth. It's right. not uh, just in the Bible. but Right. Um, so so what is the basic Christian belief about who Jesus is and what he is?
0: Well, I, I would summary, or summarize it something like this, that there, this essential— belief is that God became flesh. Uh, That the eternal Son of God, so there's three persons of the Trinity. This is another mystery, Mm -hmm. of course, this idea that there are three persons in that make up the Godhead or God, that there are three persons, one God and three persons, that the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, has always been God that this one, the Son of God, added or took on human nature and became human. This is called the incarnation. If you've never heard that word, incarnation is kind of the word that fits this idea, doctrine. Uh, and you see the, the C-A-R-N in there? It sounds like carnivore or carnivorous. It comes from the word meat and flesh. Mm-hmm. God became meat, became flesh. He put on flesh. So God, the Spirit, pure Spirit, um, eternal took on flesh and became human. So, and that's been that's been the belief f- through all the branches of Christianity, all the historic branches. The trunk of the tree, kind of of Christianity, spread into three main branches that we see today, kind of in the West, the Latin speaking, originally Latin speaking, now Roman Catholic Church, the the Greek speaking Orthodox Church, which spread into different areas, Russia, Armenia, um, even Ethiopia, Syria, and then the Protestant Church. Those three categories, all of them, through all the centuries, uh, still affirm this belief that there's this God-man, 100% God, 100% man. In the early 4th century, Athanasius wrote a creed, and in it, he says this, um, for this is the true faith. That we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, is both God and man. He is God, begotten before all worlds from the being of the Father, and he is man, born in the world from the being of his mother, existing fully as God and fully as man, with a rational soul and a human body, equal to the Father in divinity, subordinate to the Father in humanity. Although he is God and man— he is not divided but is one christ he is united because god has taken humanity into himself he does not transform deity into humanity he is completely one in the unity of his person without confusing his natures then one last line for as the rational soul and body are one person so the one christ is god and man so that's 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 the historic christian faith that has been consistent through 20 centuries
1: so is there a way to you give a give a good illustration for this because reading that it's one of those uh, the 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 creed is so uh, it's so beautiful and well written and and yet it's still a little foreign to us right we're going yeah. two natures one person right. one, all this it's just a little uh, not how we talk necessarily I know. so
0: i'm glad you asked knowing that you would ask this And knowing that you knew I was so dumb, I couldn't get. I was for sure going to ask. How would I explain this to Blaine? (laughs) So, (laughs) so I slipped this past Social, uh, not Social Security, about uh, travel security, TSA in the airport. I didn't slip it past. They actually found it. And what I'm holding here, and maybe you could describe it for. Uh, well,
1: it looks like a it looks like a giant construction framing, uh, not a framing, like a nail, uh, maybe about a ten or a twelve inch nail inside a little cardboard tube that it can slip in. And what's out the of. tube from? A uh, pants hanger. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> so it's a white pants hanger tube, cardboard tube, which we're all familiar with. Uh, remember, I and this is a hanger that I'm actually going to use and not. Be frustrated with, um, <laughs> because there's such a perfect fit. So c- could so I'm just holding I'm, the nail is now outside the the pant hanger tube. Uh, do you think you could bend this or break it? Yeah, yeah, and I could too. Most people could, right? Now I'm going to put the nail in it. Do you think you could bend or break it? No way. No way. Because it's it's a you know, steel nail. And so what this illustrates is kind of what Athanasius and the Christian church has said for a long time. Here we have two natures, cardboard and steel. And they're not compromised or mixed together, are they? But they are together. The nail part is hidden at first look. So what do you see? What do you see walking down the street when you saw Jesus? You saw a person. It's the guy. You saw the kind of – in a way, you see the cardboard on this. Yeah. And you think, wow, that's a that's just like any other cardboard tube. They get to know him, though, and it doesn't act like cardboard. You can't bend it when you handle it. It's obviously not just cardboard. You can dent the paper, but it remains straight. Two natures in one. And in a way, that's an idea of the deity and humanity of Jesus together. Let me give you one more too. Okay. Um, if you know the, you know, Mark Twain's story of the Prince and the Pauper, you know, two boys that looks identical, and one wishes he wasn't the prince because it's so, it's a so boring and tedious the, the rituals and the and and having to be um, kind of duty bound, and in the palace and. Especially when as he listens to the children playing outside the palace walls in the streets, these peasant children are playing and enjoying life, and he longs to be able to f- be free and to get muddy and to and to and to play and to climb and to run. And meanwhile, there's another one looks just like him, but he is a peasant boy, and he looks up at the palace and says, "Oh, it would be so wonderful to to be uh, free from hunger and not wonder." If I have a place to sleep tonight, he's a pauper, he's an orphan. And, and so turns out he climbs up the kind of the trellis of the palace and comes into the window and they meet each other and they decide, they hear their stories and they decide to switch places. So the prince now is dressed in pauper clothing and he climbs down and he, he goes out. And meanwhile, the pauper is dressed like a prince. Well, the, the best illustration of this to me is the prince who has put on pauper clothing, now has to give up some of his prerogatives. He can't order people around. He tries out on the street, and of course they 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 beat him. They 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 abuse him. Who do you think you are? So he realizes that he has to give up certain rights to which which are are his. He's the prince, prince of the land, but he is is now going to be acting as a pauper, and so in a way he has. Um, not two natures, but he has he has the the essence. His essence is that he is the prince, and yet he's also now a pauper because he has willingly given up his his rights to exercise all his his um, uh, the 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 responsibility or the prerogatives as, as prince. Yeah. So makes- those two illustrations kind of um, to me help understand.
1: This. That makes a lot of sense, but it's still a little bit of a weird idea, right? God, yeah. God being oh, I know human, especially as a baby, right, Blaine? I yeah. mean
0: that God would become. I mean, we're going to look at this later, but the the wise men come and it says they they worship him. They're not looking up and worshiping God; they're looking down and worshiping a baby. This is a weird idea, and and I I'd, I'd like to just guide us on a thought experiment just to realize. That life itself is pretty astonishing. Life itself is weird. There are many mind-blowing realities similar to this concept. Uh, For instance, the relationship between your brain and you. Uh, Question, do you think with your brain or does your brain think for you? Do you think with your brain? so, So brain and mind, you know, how do those relate? Is my brain thinking or am I thinking? And who is I? if it's not the brain?
1: Some would say uh, neither are operating for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a third alternative that we're leaving out here. Well, just don't
0: listen to those some, okay? They, they, (laughs) yeah. Um, So, you know, the question, so how can you both be immaterial mind and physical brain and body at the same time, body and soul, both brain and mind, both. So that's, that's kind of a, it's a mystery in itself, and some of these things are, if we start thinking about it, are, are very interesting. Or picture, you know, think about light: is it waves or particles? And you know, as I understand, scientists, physicists would say both. It has it's waves, and it's also particles, photons. Um, so how can God, who is spiritually eternal, invisible, uh, the Creator of humanity, actually become human? Uh, well, thinking about becoming human, just becoming human. We just had a grandson born, and you know, for months we've been you know seeing our our daughter in law grow bigger, and explaining to the their first son who's three years old. Uh, yeah, there's a baby. There's a baby growing in here, and and before she even shows, there's a there's a knowledge that something's big really happening in uh-huh. here, and and. Isn't it mysterious? And especially when, and you have kids, when you see those infants out in the open air, having been breathing amniotic fluid, now breathing air, are thriving and hungry. And you ask, how did a combination of egg and sperm become a baby? We are so used to this experience, but it's marvelous. It's amazing. It's astonishing. So so we looked at this little baby named Gus and... Um there was, you know, how does this happen? Well, um, from being nothing and then a fully formed human being. And what really struck me this time was watching his eyes work. These are one thing that doesn't grow much, that about the same size, I understand, for your whole life are your eyeballs. And watching him blink, watching his pupils dilate and constrict uh, with the different lights, and to see his eyeballs turn and look one way or the other even though when they couldn't focus. Now we were there long enough to actually see that develop where he would now focus on faces. He didn't notice your face before. Now he does, before it was just looking at light, but his eyeballs looked the same. They're amazing. How do you try to make an eyeball in your garage? You know, try to, try to do that. I mean, that's just stunning to me. And then all the systems, digestion, circulatory nerves and brain control center, like no other computer on earth, skin and bones and marrow making blood, heart beating and and um and, and made to beat maybe for a hundred years. Uh and that's not all, so much more. And we are kind of used to this. But I'm just saying, boy, if you look at some of the quote, simple things in life, they are marvelous and mysterious and even astonishing. And there are it just goes on. Seeds become plants, caterp- caterpillars become butterflies. Even if we know the process is biologically described, even PhDs are amazed, and I'd say and that's why they became scientists, because they were amazed. They love their subjects. It's not just a, oh, yeah, this is what I do. No, this is what I love. And why do they love it? Because there's this amazing feature of natural, the natural world all around us. So it's not like this doctrine of God and Jesus being God and man is the, is the well, there's that one mystery. And therefore, uh, I don't think we can believe it because we just don't understand it. There's so much about our everyday life that it is astonishing and should often
1: capture us and fill us with wonder. When you think about every human being's got a body and you don't even know how it works, there is no innate knowledge that you're born with about how your body Mm-mm. works. You have to go to medical school just to learn your own self. It's yes. weird. And have you noticed how
0: many – I, I would – before, like you would watch a movie in the 1930s, 1940s or whatever, you're a doctor. Now, maybe there's a doctor who's – you say, first question, I'm an – oh, you're an MD. You're a doctor. What's your specialty? Well, it's family practice. So they're kind of a generalist. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, but men, But how many specialties are there? And why are there specialties? Because we realize how much we don't know about each particular category of the human body.
1: Yeah, and especially when you talk to people who study the brain. Doctors who study the brain tell you we really don't know what's going on.
0: Right. So mystery shouldn't throw us off. In fact, C.S. Lewis um, wrote this. When you try to explain the Christian doctrine as it is really held by an instructed adult, they then complain that you are making their heads turn round and that it is all too complicated And that if there really were a God, they are sure he would have made religion simple. As if, quote, religion were something God invented and not his statement to us of certain quite unalterable facts about his own nature. Besides being complicated, reality, in my experience, he says, is usually odd. It is not neat, not obvious, not what you expect. Reality, in fact, is usually something you could not have guessed. And then he he says, that is one of the reasons I believe. So, so not only does it uh, prevent belief, it sort of draw, it drew C.S. Lewis to it, because it was like this has a quality that is more like what I would suspect uh the the infinite God of the universe might reveal to us something that is so mind blowing, and you know the phrase you know we can't we can't run all of God's software on our hardware that we we should expect that if god reveals himself that there are there's there's much that we would understand and at the same time there's much that we that we can't understand and would call mysterious
1: yeah it reminds me dawn of a of a conversation i was having a couple nights ago with my daughter who's who's 14 and she we were sitting outside and it was evening time and the sun had set uh, not long before and the stars are starting to come out and she just said, "I'm I'm so interested in space. Look at all these stars." And I go, "Me too, because I really mm-hmm. am interested. It's mm-hmm. fa- it's amazing." And and so we start talking about it. And she's like, "How many how many planets are are out there? And how many stars? And, and what's and what do we know?" And I was like, "I don't I don't really know, but um, but she was really interested, and so she went and got a, a book at uh, the bookstore." Mm. Which, which uh, she went to with my wife, and it was a book on space and uh, everything, planets, space, all, all kinds of stuff from um, the S- Smithsonian, like a coffee table book, but mm-hmm. really cool. Mm. So uh, we started looking at that, and it was just – it's its amazing to me as you think of I – think, I think I read in there it was 100 billion stars – that we know of, something, and it might even be more in our uh, solar system, or no, so, probably the Milky, uh, Milky Way, Milky, probably, Way, so, Milky there, Way right. Uh, galaxy, there's, galaxy. There's the yep. word. There's the word. <laughs> and and out of that, I heard recently that there's uh, pretty much every star has planets. Mm. They're finding out is, is is what I heard, and mm-hmm. I, I I'm not an expert on this, but it's something like it's it's something amazing. Mm-hmm. All these and just. The complexity of the universe, when you really sit and just ponder it for a second, even a child like my daughter, uh, I bring it up to say – to make a similar point, which is just if a god could make this, then why should we expect religion to be simple and our little brains – grasp it easily.
0: Right. Right. That's the, that's the wonderfulness I think of the Christian story is that it's available to a child. A child can come to faith in, in God and know God through Christ. And yet it's confounding to the most brilliant of us. And, and, uh, and that's what Lewis, I think, is, yeah. is saying. This, this has this uncanny, um, otherworldly ring of truth.
1: It's what you should expect if there's a God like the God we claim exists. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's complicated. Um, so we shouldn't reject it just because it's strange or mysterious that God might be human as well or have taken on humanity. Um but just because that, that's an idea, that doesn't mean it, it's its automatically true. So uh, my question to you, Don, is how do we know that this is who Jesus was or is if we're being very technical? Uh, how do we know this? Yeah,
0: great question. Well, I'll tell you what the answer is not. The answer is not because Athanasius told us it was true. <laughs> <laughs> Athanasius, it's because Don Barclay told us it was <laughs> right, true. Right. It's Athanasius believed it because he thought, what, thought that's what the Bible revealed. So let me just give you an idea of this. Even in the Old Testament, there's these materi- there, there are these mysterious encounters, like when Abraham. One of the encounters he has in you know he's a he's a, a Bedouin um, chieftain, and protocol is when you have visitors, you have a barbecue. Or you, you at least I host like them protocol. and you feed them. And that's what he did. So three men came. And in that time with them, one of them is in a conversation with Abraham. And all of a sudden it says, and the Lord answered. And he's think, what? The Lord? And all of a sudden it looks like Abraham is having a conversation with God, the Lord. And what it appears then is that one of the angels— was and they all looked like men sort of they all had that cardboard appearance mm-hmm. <laughs> but one of them was different and was actually god so that's one and they ate with him another is the story of jacob he wrestles with god and he says wow amazing i wrestled with god and lived and this was a this was a human like so they actually physically wrestled
1: busted his hip
0: busted his hip that's right another is gideon Kidding has this experience with this the angel of the lord who actually sits and waits for him and then until he comes back and finishes I forget the exact details but but you you read this story and and who is this this is the angel of the lord well it's also it's a human being he's sitting down he's going to eat with him and so you don't have to go to the new testament to find these I, this idea of god having kind of a Natural, a manlike appearance. Um, you find it in the prophecies. An example, and some of these are very Christmas-related. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you sh- and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So interesting that that this one, that the sign would be that a virgin, a human virgin will conceive and bear a son. So that seems very natural. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now, you could say, well, a lot of people name their kids a kind of a theological truth, like Mm -hmm. God is faithful or whatever. And it doesn't mean that this is God. But then this isn't the only verse. You turn two two chapters later, Isaiah 9, uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Interesting, it doesn't say a child is given and a son is born. It says, a child is born. It doesn't say the son is born. The son is given, which sounds like the son already existed. I'm saying that because that's consistent with what the rest of the Bible, Jesus says to the leaders of the Jews, he says, before Abraham was, I am. And so the son of God, he says, um, and and John writes, in the beginning was the word, and the word was, was with God, and the word was God. So... To us, a son is given. And he it, it says, and the, and, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And listen to this, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. So this one who is born is called God. Hmm. So that's Old Testament, Hebrew Bible. Okay. And then Daniel's vision. I was I, In Daniel chapter 7, I was watching in the night visions and with the clouds of the sky, one like a son of man. So, he says, so he's describing what he's seeing. One looks like a human being was approaching he went up to the ancient of days that is god you know that from the rest of the passage above and was escorted before him to him was given so to him this son of man was given ruling authority honor and sovereignty all peoples nations and language groups were serving him his authority is eternal now one thing true about you know the the uh, hebrew concept of god is that there's only one and you should only worship one that's mm-hmm. the first commandment you shall have no other gods before me. And here we have this one like a son of man who is given all honor and sovereignty and all the nations of the world were serving him. And by the way, look at that. All nations and language groups were serving him. So whoever this is, is for the world, not just for the Jews or for the West or for America or for Presbyterians or Baptists or, or for Texans. It's for the world. Hey, now. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one, Micah five two. You wonder, okay? There's a point where um, the wise men come, they they and, and they say, "We've come to see the king of the Jews." And Herod asks his wise people who know the scriptures. So where where is he going to be born? He's going to be born in Bethlehem. Where did they get that? They got it from Micah five two. So chapter mm-hmm. five verse two says, "But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, which is." that particular region, because there are other places called Bethlehem, it identifies this Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you, and listen, look at the preposition, from you, from Bethlehem, shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel. That sounds very natural. But then it says, who's coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Well, so which is it? <laughs> Is this one who's coming from Bethlehem, or he's, is he coming from ancient of days? From, from King James Version says from everlasting. English Standard Version says from ancient days. New American Standard says from the days of eternity. The, the New English Translation says whose origins are in the distant past. So this term has a meaning of, uh, at, at the very longest, eternity, and the very least, from ancient days. Either way... How can a baby come from ancient days? But this ba- it's not, even in that it would be like, yeah, this baby's th- th- this baby's existence was from ten centuries ago.
1: This is—you're making the point that it's set up in the Old Testament. This is not a New Testament idea that the Messiah would be uh, God and man. Right. It, it's foreshadowed pretty clearly.
0: Yes, it is. It's there, and I think we could find other many other places too. Uh, and so, when we go to the New Testament, we go to that story, for instance, in Matthew two of the of the of the wise this, these magi coming to from the east to find this king of the Jews. And when they reach him at the house, it says, "As they came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they they don't." Raised their hand, raised their eyes and worshipped. They bowed down and worshipped Him. Who's the Him? The child, a baby. They worshipped a baby. Um, you'd think Joseph and Mary would be appalled by that. No, don't don't worship. But but they'd been told. Joseph and Mary had both been told the origins of this child that it would be coming from the from the Holy Spirit, and. um and at the end of Matthew, so that's the beginning of Matthew, at the end of Matthew, two times, Matthew 28, 9, it says, But Jesus met them, saying greetings. They came to him, held on to his feet, and worshipped him. Matthew twenty eight seventeen, same same chapter. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. This is really strange, again, in a Jewish culture, that any man would receive worship. And so we see him, he, they held on to his feet, Human feet. And they worshiped him. So here we see this, again, this two natures, uh, divine and and, uh, human. Luke 2, in the other Christmas story, you know, the one that we know from Linus and the Peanuts Christmas (laughs) story. Today your Savior is born in the city of David. He is, and look at his name, Christ the Lord. So he's born and his name is Christ the Lord, Messiah Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. So he's, he's the Lord, Messiah, and he is a baby. When the angels left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place that the Lord has made known to us. So which is it? Where's it? Who's the Lord? <laughs> so yeah. they, they just said, you're going to find the Lord as a baby in a manger. Where'd they get the news? From the The Lord. Lord. (laughs) From the Lord. The Lord told us. So here's here's already, again, some of this mystery. I thought God is just one. I mean, wouldn't that be so much simpler? But simple doesn't make something true, as we've talked about, even in nature, right? In Luke 4, 8, Jesus answered him. It says, it is written, you are to worship the Lord your God and serve him only, and serve only him. So we know that Jesus— Agrees with the Old Testament and with the Jews, there's only one God. But then he receives worship himself, which is either schizophrenic or inconsistent or arrogant, or somehow he is both.
1: Now, all of these are leading up. The, so I can hear people at this point going, okay, but, you know, we're making some inferences here. What about, is there any just, Smack you between the eyeballs, passages that say what we're trying to say. You know, uh, maybe two that are close
0: to that. Uh, John 1, uh, 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. And you wonder, who is the Word? Well, fully God—so whoever this Word is, is with God and is God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Okay. All things were created by Him. Wow, that's God. But really, that's the Word? Word was was a creator? And apart from him, not one thing was created. Well, it answers the question further down in the same passage. So that was verse 3 I just read. Go down to verse 14. It says, now the Word became flesh. There's that Word. Mm-hmm. And took up residence among us. We saw his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father, John testified, this is John the Baptist, testified about him and shouted, saying, This one was the one about whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than I am because he existed before me. And then finally, verse 18, which is seen as kind of the last verse of this prologue in the Gospel of John. No one has ever seen God. The only only one, himself God, who is in closest fellowship with the Father, has made God known. So that's pretty clear, I think. And then there's one last. Can I do one yeah, more? Yeah, let's do okay. it. Okay. So that's in the Gospels. Let's go to some people would say that that um, the Gospels, especially John, emphasize the deity of Christ, but you don't see that in. And, and then Paul emphasizes uh, the deity of Christ too. Whereas Matthew, Mark, and June, uh, John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke emphasize the humanity of Christ. You only find the deity in John. First of all, that's not true. You find deity in Mark and Luke and Matthew very strongly, I believe. As as you just said, they worshiped him, yeah. um, et cetera, et cetera. But in Paul, do we see his humanity? So we see his deity, but do we see his humanity? One of the clearest that says both is Philippians 2, 5 to 11, where it says, um, you should have the same attitude toward one another. He's talking to the believers in in the city of Philippi in Macedonia northern, north of Greece, um, you should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had, who, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men, and by sharing in human nature. And it says, and it gives the hint as to why, and here's the why. Given here, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So this one, he's in the form of God. He takes on human nature in order to die. And we know that, you know, all through the New Testament and the old, Isaiah 53, he came to die to bear our sins. Um, And then finally, the end of the passage, every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So there you see this mystery again of these two persons of the of the Godhead. Uh, Godhead is the term that we kind of use to say, okay, when we're talking about the Trinity as God, the word Godhead kind of, uh, it kind of is the word we tend to use. And I I, I just explain that because, because here we have two. Persons of the Godhead, the Son and the Father, mentioned in the same passage. Um, by the way, we have others that mention all three. The Holy Spirit, yeah, is also you know make go therefore and make disciples of all nations, um, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, et cetera. Those kind of things. So to me, this this is astounding. You know, when you when you look at this, that that this is all through all through the Bible. This kind of um, plurality of of the Son of God, and plurality of God, God in three persons and Jesus Christ having two natures. Um, the Creator became human so that we could know the Creator. That's the idea.
1: So <clears throat> what's so fascinating about this conversation is that we're told in the Bible uh, uh, kind of that Jesus is God and man. Uh, how, as you say at the beginning, very mysterious, mm-hmm. but we can know that this is his his nature and who he is. And at, at Christmas time, this is when we celebrate his his birth, the uh, the point in time where uh, he came into the world and began his uh, his mission. Uh, what's fascinating to me about this time of year is no matter where you go. In public, you hear Christmas mm, songs. Mm-hmm. They're <laughs> they're pretty uh, common, right? And a lot of Christmas songs have very deep and accurate uh, representations, lyrics about what Christmas is really about. If you if you listen to the words of some of the mm, yeah. most popular Christmas songs, they are deeply uh, theological in regards to the things we've just been talking about, and yet you can just listen to them and not really pay attention. You right, don't notice. Right. Um, I go to, this time of year, I go to Cabela's a lot. That's mm-hmm. where I like to I get things for Christmas. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's just so funny. You go through, and they play country music a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, So it's, it's a lot of country artists singing Christmas songs, and you're walking through Cabela's, and you're hearing... These amazing truths, and uh, you're right there in uh, the fishing section or whatever, right? So, and you're hearing theology, yeah, and yeah.
0: and and at Christmas time especially about this, right? I think of a couple. Um, I was thinking about this ahead of time, and 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 Oh, uh, come all you Beth! Oh, come all you faithful! Um, is a, is a famous one in in there? There's one part. Oh, come ye to Bethlehem, come and behold Him. Born the king of angels, O come, us adore him, Christ the Lord. So he then is called to worship this baby. Um, what child is this? You know, what child is this? Who who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping. This is Christ the king, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him a laud, the babe, the, babe, the son of Mary. Laud, I don't use that word all the time, L-A-U-D, but it's worship, right? It's worship. So I'm coming... To worship this baby as the wise men did, so um, and can I mention you know along with this, I think you bring up something that artists have captured better, maybe than theologians, the the mysterious aspect of this, the wonder of this, because art can convey emotion, mm-hmm. and wonder is one of those emotions. I I, I every Christmas I kind of want to be more open to to wonder, and and not to be not to find Christmas. A cliche, but to be open to, is there a new aspect of the mystery and wonder of Christmas that I can know? Some of the, some of my, the best work, I think, is by poets, and I, I, have, a, I have kind of collected a few, po- some of my favorite poems about Christmas, and one is named by, by the poet Marjorie Maddox Pfeiffer. The title of the poem is, God Tries on Skin. <laughs> okay. I just think it just takes poets to do this. In the poem, part of the poem, goes like this: Once he stretched skin over spirit like a rubber glove, aligning Trinity with bone, twining through veins until deity square knotted flesh. Deity square knotted, square that line square knotted. You need know, you know a square knot. You take two ropes and you and there's this beautiful knot that is that that you can tie, and you have deity and. And humanity square knotted together, um, and then an, another line in the same poem: "In a whirlwind spin, he shrank to the size of a zygote." So the <laughs> you know a, the smallest human cell, you know a one-celled organism. So the God of the universe who created the Son of God shrinks to the size of a zygote, and that's what we have to believe. Because if conceived in Mary, is the Son of God, and Makes you wonder what can was that that zygote. When did that zygote become conscious of his own messiah? Yes, <laughs> you know, blows your mind. Yeah, it does. Was he four years old? Was was did he know it as a baby? Um, so to think that they're worshiping a god who doesn't know he's God is just amazing. And why would God do that? Why would Jesus become a pauper? He did it for us.
1: It tells you of his character. I mean, when you really, you, we could yep. do a whole episode on that,
0: right? Madeline Lengel, in her, one of her poems, says when and she wrote, you know, um, "A Wrinkle in Time," when all the brilliance of the flaming sun contained itself in the small confines of a child, all the brilliance of the flaming sun, God contained itself in the small confines of a child, and that's what reminds me of C.S. Lewis's words: "Reality, in fact, is usually something you could not have guessed." This is one of the reasons, I believe. And can I, as I know we're nearing the, the end um, of our time, but could I read something that just is uh, one of my most favorite comments from a, kind of a secular venue of of the media? Um, the show 60 Minutes. It's still on, right? 60 Minutes. <laughs>
1: I'll take your word for it.
0: I, you know, CBS, it was a long time. Everybody watched 60 Minutes. You know, the clock ticking, you know, like that. And then Harry Reasoner, was one of the ones, and he did a closing closing commentary in 1979, and it ends like this. He says, If this is the anniversary of the appearance of the Lord of the universe in the form of a helpless baby, then it is a very important day. What an understatement, right? You know, think about it. This is earth-shaking. Okay, those are my words. Back to Harry. Okay. It's a startling idea, of course. My guess is that the whole story that a virgin was selected by God to bear his son as a way of showing his love and concern for man, it's my guess that in spite of all the lip service they have given it, it is not an idea that has been popular with theologians. It is a somewhat illogical idea, and theologians love logic almost as much as they love God. It is so revolutionary a thought that it probably could only come from a God who is beyond logic and beyond theology. It has a magnificent appeal. Almost nobody has seen God, and almost nobody has any real idea of what he is like. And the truth is that among men, the idea of seeing God suddenly and standing in a very bright light is not necessarily a completely comfortable and appealing thought. But everyone has seen babies, and most people like them. If If God wanted to be loved as well as feared, he moved correctly here. If he wanted to know his people as well as rule them, he moved correctly here, for a baby growing up learns all about people. If God wanted to be intimately a part of man, he moved correctly here, for the experience of birth and familyhood is our most intimate and precious experience. So it comes beyond logic. It is what Bishop Carl Morgan Block used to call a kind of divine insanity. It is either all falsehood or the truest thing in the world. It either rises above the tawdriness of what we make of Christmas, or it is part of it and completely irrelevant. Um, That's what I wanted to read to you. Um, He concludes by saying, so if a Christian is touched only once a year, the touching is still worth it. And maybe on some given Christmas, some final quiet morning, the touch will take. Because the message of Christianity is the Christmas story. If it is false, we are doomed. If it is true as it must be, it makes everything else in the world all right.
1: Wow. It's great writing.
0: Great writing. Yep. That's why he made the big bucks. Yep. He was good. And and Madeline Langle in this last one, I'll just end with this, is she's in the Annunciation. She captures this idea that Lewis and Harry Reisner brings out that there's a certain illogic to it. She said, this is the irrational season when love blooms bright and wild. Had Mary been filled with reason? There'd have been no room for the child. Wow! I just love that. Get chills <laughs> That's thinking really that. Good. That's right. So, uh, Mary accepted this idea, even though it was wild. And um, poets, it takes poets some time to make it clearest.
1: Well, I'm thankful uh, that we have them, and uh, you and I were talking as we were putting together this episode and thinking about how to end it, and so I I think we end it this way, a little different than we normally do. Uh, A few years ago, I put together a Christmas album for Search that we released, so uh, in my previous life, I was a country singer – Man, I know it. But that's what I used to do. <laughs> yes, I can vouch uh, not, for that. Not many of us wind up doing this after that, but uh, anyway, uh, that's what I used to do. And so we we made a little Christmas album. You can go download it anywhere you listen to music. Stream it anywhere. It's called. Just look up my name and searching for Christmas. Okay but we tried to record songs that that had lyrics that were meaningful like mm-hmm. we've been talking that express the truth of of Christmas in a really profound and and thought-provoking way and one of the songs that we recorded is hark the herald angels sing mm. and uh it's the first song in the in the track order and so what we thought we would do here is uh, share a couple of the lines that are are just meaningful and speaking mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. the kinds of things that make Christmas Christmas and uh, and who Jesus is and what He's done, and then I'm going to play it. We're going to drop the song in here and mm-hmm. and end the podcast with uh, with that song. So. Um, Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. We uh, we really hope it's been it's been helpful for you and that you've enjoyed it. And uh, from all of us at Search, we want to say Merry Christmas. And Don, what are uh, what? Just end this with a couple lines here from the song that we ought to be paying attention to.
0: Right. Um, well, from Hark the Herald Angels Sing, um, there's there are some lines that go like this: Mild, and you're familiar with these. You'll hear them. In, in the mall or at Cabela's <laughs> <laughs> or from Blaine very soon. Um, although this verse, I'm not sure. Do you sing all the verses, Blaine? I think so. Oh, good. So, so you'll hear this. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king.
1: Well, here's that song. Enjoy it, everyone, and Merry Christmas from all of us at Search. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Blaine.
2: Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye. His glory by born that man no more may die born to raise the sons of earth born to give them second birth risen with him